Oh, there's a cat just staring at me through the... Come on in. You don't right. have a cat. Yeah, which makes it worrying. But no, it's outside. That's outside. Um... <laughs> you guys are making a podcast. For this. So this is episode whatever of the podcast nobody asked for with me, Ian Harris. And me, Graham Jones. So this week we're talking about good bad movies. So the kind of films which you love watching but are awful blights on humanity. So what would what would you kind of see as like the key key points of a good bad movie? I mean, yeah, I think we touched on some of these throughout the podcast. One of them, one of the top ones for me is the the person financing the movie also is doing everything else as well. They're financing it, they're directing it, they're writing it, they're producing it, and they're starring in it. Yeah, and or, or at the very least, everyone involved has to think they're making a very good film. Like there, oh, there's yeah. there's definitely kind of like an earnestness behind a good bad movie. Where yeah, nobody... which is why you could never have like a Sharknado or something on here. Yeah, like they aren't purposefully being parodies of themselves, even if they end up at it. It's every everyone thinks they're making a genius piece of cinema, even if they're actually making something that categorically and critically isn't. As these yeah. are kind of like a lot of these films are films which have literally been found in vaults <laughs> and unleashed upon the public several years later. Um, a lot of these have been kind of condemned to the dark corners of YouTube. They're they're interesting films. It's definitely yeah. f- fucked with my um, like predictions of things that Amazon Prime thinks I want to watch. Um, yeah, yeah. Because so, I just get all sorts of shit now. Yeah. So during so during when, when lockdown started, we we hosted a regular bad movie night where a lot of us would basically join a WhatsApp group, and every week on a Thursday we would watch a bad movie, start it at the same time, and then message each other about what's happening and how shit it is. And um, I think it helped everyone get through lockdown. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And what, one of the critical things for the movies that we could watch is that they had to be like on a free streaming, uh, not a free streaming service, but like they had to be free. We weren't renting them because if we had like multiple households spending money <laughs> to watch some of these movies on an evening, I just don't think it would have been right. Yeah, so these are these are films which you should be able to get on Netflix, you should be able to get on YouTube. I I think there's only one which you might have to pay for, but we would recommend you watch them all anyway. So yeah, before we crack on with the first choice, Graham, it's your your choice for movie recommendations nobody asked for? Yes. So this week I'm gonna go with a movie that I recently saw which I didn't realise was gonna be kind of a bit of a bad movie, but I should have guessed from the title. It is uh, 2020's Uncle Peckerhead. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's that's not where I thought that was going. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a horror comedy. It's uh, a band. The band is called Duh, as in D-U-H. They're setting off on a tour. They have no money. Um, so they need a tour bus. Someone nicks their tour bus, and they end up trying to get hold of a van that they can borrow this guy. Uncle Peckerhead has a van and is basically becomes their roadie. It turns out that Uncle Peckerhead is kind of like a weird zombie werewolf kind of deal. So at midnight, he turns into this like bloodthirsty zombie thing. Sold. <laughs> it's 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 kind of nuts. It's kind of fun. It's not amazing, but um, 
at the same time, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good watch. Nice. And so just in case people don't want to watch something called Uncle Peckerhead, uh, is there anything else you would uh, recommend people? Yeah, and I think, you know, we're going to talk a lot about bad movies. So let's recommend something that is unequivocally fantastic. Um, and that is Midsummer. Midsummer is a great horror movie. It's it is set in midsummer. So um if you, you know you're getting feeling a bit down about the the weather changing now it's um it's getting uh, later into the year. You can enjoy the the 23-hour days of sunshine that they have during midsummer in um, Scandinavia. Um and just enjoy Ariasta being Ariasta. Nice. I think that's a good choice. So uh yeah, the podcast nobody asked for is Good, bad movies. Excellent. So, my first good, bad movie. This this list is endless. I think there's so many of them. But the first one that I settled on for this week was Circus Island um, from 2006, believe it or not, because it looks like it was made in the 80s. Fuck off, that was 2006? <laughs> yep, 2006 it was released. <laughs> or, to give it its full title, Circus Island, One Family, One Dream. Let the show begin. Um, <laughs> this movie is indescribable. It is some of the most... It, it's just lunacy. Incredibly, it had a budget. Do you know what the budget of this movie was, Ian? Oh, just a crate of vodka? <laughs> it had a budget of $2.5 million. To put this into perspective, Dallas Buyers Club was made on a $5 million budget. So, And they just... They, I don't know how they managed to make something so bad. So it's the Landers sisters who basically did everything in the movie. They wrote it, they starred in it, directed in it, which I think is probably going to be a theme throughout this uh, podcast. I think everything <laughs> I've picked, the person who wrote it appears in it. <laughs> yeah, without a doubt. I think... Actually, no. No, only one of mine, the writer, appears in it. The, okay. rest, of the, the rest of them are just shit. <laughs> <laughs> so the plot is absolutely nonsensical so there's basically this girl runs away to find her deadbeat dad who happens to live on a circus island with the twin sister of her mother and who also happens to be her mother who is his ex who divorced him because he decided to spend all their money on buying a circus island he also doesn't realize that his new wife or new partner is his ex's twin sister and he basically agrees to marry her within minutes of meeting her. Well, I love the, my, my favourite thing with that is so like she shipwrecks on the island or something or her boat runs out of boat petrol. Yeah, isn't it the dolphin dasher or something it's called the boat? But she, she meets this guy on an island with a massive big top on <laughs> and is talking to him and it's just like, oh, what do you do? I like, oh, I run this circus island and she's like oh cool like not at one point did she think oh you know what my sister's ex-husband used to have a circus island yeah that's which the reason me... they got divorced right yeah which makes me to think which leads me to think that there's loads of these circus islands around no not around off the coast of new jersey <laughs> just yeah just off the coast of new jersey <laughs> like enough that she wouldn't immediately assume oh shit you're my you're my sister's ex-husband yeah but also that means she's never met him. yeah she clearly wasn't at the wedding i guess yeah, it's nearly but like also, the film's bad. But also, not she like the Lander sisters look. I don't don't think they're identical twins, but they look identical. Like mm. if you were to come across one of them, you'd be like, "Oh, you look really like my ex-wife, right?" But um, yeah, so it obviously there's like these really convoluted family ties. There's a bit in it where like the kids are discussing meeting the girl. So the 
the Circus Island couple have had kids subsequently. The girl gets in contact with them somehow. I don't know how, really. Just like a really dodgy email, I think it was. And her code name was Hermione Granger. And there's this whole hilarious bit at the dinner table where like one of the kids says that she's Dumbledore or something is her surname. It's it's awful. But they're talking about they're like, oh, so that makes her a cousin and a half sister. And then just cuts to the little kid and he's like, twisted um <laughs> and also these kids rock up with this new friend so they don't divulge that this is their half sister cousin straight away um they just say it's their new friend and the parents don't question this but they live on a circus island like there's no one else on the circus island and they just rock up with a new friend they're not like oh where did your friend come from or anything it's just like oh this is completely fucking normal also Carlos, who's the dad, doesn't recognize his own daughter. <laughs> like he's fucking yeah, oblivious. Yeah, well, so, he's, try- he, he's still trying to figure out where he recognizes his wife from. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> there is, uh, I mean, some other characters. You have Jamaica Joe, who is a personal highlight for for me. Um, he he shuttles people on and off of Circus Island, which appears to be his only job. He also. It's so bad. He's got one of those, he wears one of those hats, like the raster hats with the dreadlocks sewn into them, which just doesn't seem to be okay. <laughs> yeah, that that feels like it's not okay on a number of levels that it can't be okay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And yeah, so also mentioned earlier, like people just seem to jump into things really quickly in this movie. So like there's the whole bit where Carlos and his ex's sister fall in love, even though he didn't realise he was his ex's sister. But then... The mother who didn't go to Circus Island basically meets and agrees to adopt a new kid who is the love interest of her daughter within about a day of knowing him. Like, these people don't seem to think in advance for anything. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I remember watching this and I, I wasn't sold on it at the beginning. And then the film lasted for what I assume was 15 hours. <laughs> uh, and then I wasn't really sold on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it, there's just no logic to a lot of stuff that happens as well. Like the the main sister, who is the mother of the daughter, <laughs> this is so convoluted. <laughs> but she she basically agrees to loan money to her sister to help them keep Circus Island because apparently they need to pay a load of back taxes. And that that's lo- loaning the money. To keep the thing in the family, which is the reason she divorced her husband. This was my exact point. So yeah. she didn't want to use the money to keep her marriage, but she will subsequently use the money to keep her sister married to her ex I mean, to me, it sounds like the problem wasn't the island. <laughs> you know, maybe, the, maybe the husband's a bit of a dick. Perhaps, yeah. Speaking of the husband, there's a bit in it where he says that he he kind of needs to go away to make it in Mexico as a trapeze artist. But he need, he talks about like <laughs> how how the reason he's going to do this is by mastering this one move, which is the triple somersault, which he's never been able to do as a trapeze artist. And then nothing ever comes of this. Like, it's never mentioned again. He rocks back up later in the movie. Like, it doesn't say how he got on in Mexico. You never see him, like, training to see if he can 
do the triple somersault. Is that before or after somebody tries to flat out commit murder in Circus Island? Uh, I think that's that's <laughs> after. Yeah, yeah, that's after. That's I forget. Oh, what's the name? It's Billy is the guy that gets framed, isn't it? The who yeah, is. It's- it's the, it's the sassy mean girl character mm. who goes from who gets being the a... paring knife out of the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who, go, who goes from just being a bully to flat out trying to murder someone. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then she also tries to frame the Billy guy for like sexually assaulting her or something as well. Yep. Um, because Circus Island. The guy who plays Billy is um, also the one of the main characters in Russian Doll as well. So he's at least his career is on an upward path. I've forgotten um, about that. Russian Doll, actually a very good series. Russian Doll's fantastic. Loved it. So yeah, so they obviously, so going back to the back taxes thing, which is apparently a thing on islands that you need to pay, I guess, to keep Jamaica Joe in business, is that they start this circus camp for kids run by the adults, which is also just a bit, it's all a bit strange. Um, and it also calls into question because they're like, the, what they do is they put on a big show because that's going to raise the money to pay for the back taxes but in attendance at the big show at the end is just a bunch of kids so they're either charging these kids up the arse to watch a really shitty like third-rate circus or they didn't really owe that much money anyway uh i'm not sure which it is the kind of big climax and i'm not even gonna say well i will say spoiler alert because i'm saying it in this sentence but (laughs) it's um, not it's not it's it's not not a spoiler spoiler. it's not a spoiler if it's for a film nobody is ever going to see (laughs) no and i would say probably no one has ever heard of either but the Gabrielle, who's the main daughter, she is taking part in the show at the end. She falls off the trapeze during the show that's going to save the island. And obviously everyone's like, oh, no, she's falling from a great height. And the mean girl has cut the safety netting. So she's going to fall through the safety netting and die. But, you know, obviously it's fine because the ghost of her dead grandfather runs across the stage and catches her and puts her down safely. Um, <laughs> the ghost of her dead grandfather is basically... The dad with a moustache. <laughs> it's it's incredible. And by basically you mean it's literally exactly. the dad with a moustache. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it's just it's it's nuts. It turns out that the Lander sisters were actually quite quite successful before this. <laughs> so they were both like big on the t- on TV during the eighties. So Audrey Landers was in Dallas for eight years. See, she seduced JR. I don't think she shot him. I'm not sure. Who did shoot JR? No idea. Apart, apart from that random guy in Father Ted. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, wait, uh, uh, f- future Ian. Who shot JR? Hey, guys. Future Ian here. So JR was shot by Lee Harvey Oswald from the Book Depository on November 22nd, 19... 19- Sorry, wrong wrong notes there. So JR was actually shot by Kristen Shepherd, his ex-mistress and sister-in-law, which sounds complicated. Thanks, future Ian. <laughs> she was also a Playboy cover model as well. That's her... def- that is definitely a recurring theme in the films we're about to talk about. <laughs> um, and her sister Judy Landers was in Happy Days and Knight Rider as well. In Happy Days, she played herself as judy boom boom landers who just hung around with the fonz uh i i watched a clip of it i don't think she said a single line uh she just hung around with the fonz and had she was wearing a sweater that had boom boom written across her breasts like (laughs) i it 
I have no words. Also, Carlos, the dad, used to be in the NFL and was a Heisman runner-up. Yeah, some of these people clearly had careers before they decided to make Circus Island. And I think Billy is the only one that came out unscathed. One, one, one thing I liked about Circus Island, the one thing I liked about Circus <laughs> Island, is the ghost. Yep, the footprints. Yeah, but there was no real... like It would be like having a very serious film that then suddenly has ghosts. Like they didn't, yeah, yeah. they didn't set that this was a supernatural thing at all, and then well, suddenly this caricature of a weightlifter from the nineteen twenties <laughs> rocks up. Well, the only bit was the like, do you not remember the the footprints yeah, in the sand? Yeah. That was about film. That was about it. And we, so we, this was one of the films we watched during lockdown, and we had our bad movie nights. And I went back through the chat. I, I think all, I think all of them. Bar one, there's bar one. one. Yeah, and so one of the. I uh, went back through the chat and just picked out a few of my favorite messages that were sent during during Circus Island. <laughs> one of which was, there's still an hour left of this film. Um, <laughs> one was all caps, what the fuck is happening? One of them from a friend or a friend of a friend who lives in the States said, uh, my roommate who works in TV just walked in and saw this and said, actually, I'm glad production is halted and then left. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then... Um, that parrot is the best actor in this thing. Because um, obviously there was the parrot that was something to do with the ghost as well. It's, look, Circus Island is balls to the wall crazy. It is one of the worst films I've ever seen, but is one of the most enjoyable bad movies I've ever watched. I had a lot of fun. And maybe it's because I just love a good bad movie, but this was, <laughs> it was ridiculous and it was an hour and 47 minutes of my life i'm not going to get back but at the same time I, I did love all of it because it was just crazy my first choice if we're done with circus island obviously i feel like we're done with circus island i mean is there, is anyone ever really done with circus island 10 minutes in i was done with circus <laughs> island my first choice then is the beautiful and arguably perfect 1991's Samurai Cop. Uh, None of that is true, apart from the fact it came out in 1991. So, Samurai Cop is... So the the plot is that a Japanese gang have taken... A a Japanese gang called the Katana have (laughs) taken over the cocaine trade in LA. So the LAPD transfer in Samurai Cop from San Diego? Sorry, Samurai Cop Joe, right? So just he's yeah. So his his actual name is <laughs> Joe Marshall, but he goes by the name Samurai Cop because he was even though he dresses like a commoner, <laughs> he was trained by the masters in Japan and speaks fluent Japanese. Even though during the runtime of the film, we see that he can't speak Japanese and he's clearly had no weapons training ever. No, I mean it's, there's there's a very Samurai Cop is massively overselling the amount of samurai in this film. Or cop, because they don't arrest anyone. No, they just <laughs> like, kill no, Nobody is brought to justice in the entire length of the film. No, he just kills everyone. But, and that's and, fine, right? And not only does he not speak fluent Japanese, but he's openly racist against Japanese people. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, it's amazing, yeah. So, so a guy called Matt Hannon plays... Samurai Cop, and he did have no experience of weapons training before being cast. He did have long hair, which was good, because Samurai Cop has long hair. The director never told them that they had to come back for reshoots, so he cut it off. 
And then they had to come back for reshoots. And it meant that for noticeable parts of the film, he's clearly wearing a lady's wig. It's so good. So even it's in so certain good. scenes, you'll, you'll cut from one to the other and you'll clearly be wearing a lady's wig. But there's also scenes where you'll cut to them and they're clearly standing in the corner of a room. And it's because a load of the like additional dialogue they had to record, you couldn't get hold of any of the original actors. So uh, apparently 80% of the dialogue in the film is the director putting on a voice. Amazing. So he um, <laughs> either puts on a voice or kind of like he's used like voice modulation software to change it. So a load of the dubbing is just him. And then he's filmed the actors in the corner of his room for the, like the pickup shots afterwards. So I wish that happened with, um, is it Justice League where they had to CGI Henry Cavill's mustache? Or was that yeah. Superman? <laughs> no, that was that was Justice League. Justice League. I I I just like the idea that <laughs> that Zack Snyder's sat in the corner, just putting on a Henry Cavill voice. Yeah, yeah, just 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 a very bad British accent. There's there's a, a Samurai Cop is kind of the perfect kind of bad movie because the film doesn't make sense anyway. So it makes no sense as to why you would bring in a cop from San Diego to combat. Japanese gangsters in LA. So from the actual story doesn't make sense, but then all of the behind the camera stuff doesn't make sense either. So the dialogue thing I talked about, they couldn't afford lighting, which meant that the entire film takes place during the day. (laughs) So there's no night shots and he can't seem to like, they don't seem to know how to use cameras. So some of the scenes are a lot brighter than others, even if they're taking part in the same conversation. I just, yeah, I mean, this, this film was, there's the whole bit that really got me was the seduction of the uh I can't even remember what her role was in it, but he just didn't he rock up to um to her church and then they go back to his and she had a bathing suit with her. So yeah, so he he met her at church. So it was the gangster's I can't remember if it was like girlfriend or knowing this film just like secretary. Yeah, because she was but- upstairs in the like cause they run it all out of a Japanese restaurant, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, which is run by a really weird guy. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he takes her, goes to a church where she has a bikini with her, and then they go back to his house. And he's prepared a roast chicken in in his speedos. <laughs> it is just that. That's not that's not something you do. That's not and something a- you do if you aren't sure if someone is going to come back. No, no, like, and with ro- a, like ro- a massive. Gatto as well that they never even touched. <laughs> it was a huge chocolate cake and no one touched it. But it's great. I, I read, um, so the Bristol Bad Movie Club wrote kind of a review of this because they were going to show it. And they described it in the most perfect way, which is imagine a low budget version of Lethal Weapon where Mel Gibson spends most of his time being racist to the Japanese. <laughs> that's, that's the film. We can end this discussion here. <laughs> None of the fights make sense. Like you said, it, it's called Samurai Cop and there isn't really any sword fighting in it. No. It's They kill the same people multiple times. The bad guy, I mean, has one of the most impressive jaws of anyone I've ever seen, but I also think that's, <laughs> I think that's a medical thing. It's, it's great, but it's so bad, it is hilarious. There, there's scenes of it that everyone would have seen because they do the rounds, like him talking to the nurse. About um, his jumbo jet-sized penis. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> what what people might not know is so in the kind of the episode notes of these, we'll have like a YouTube playlist, which will have generally 
trailers of the films we've been talking about, but we'll include some of the scenes as well. I doubt there's anything for Circus Islands. Oh, well, there's the trailers there, at least. Yeah, but at least for this one, we'll, we'll include that scene as well. It's it's everything you could want from a bad movie in that it's your your entire joy of the film is is from how shit it is there's there's like the whole thing with the bad guy as well who's who's Big deal is he wants to get the uh, samurai cop's bloodied head on his white piano, right? That just doesn't seem something you'd do. I mean, it's a white piano. I know. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, he's he must have good cleaners, but like it seems it seems uh, it seems excessive. <laughs> so, while watching this film, some of the messages that came out included: Has anyone actually called him Samurai Cop? And then <laughs> later in the conversation, just they just did. It's 55 minutes into the film. <laughs> but to be fair, he was, you know, he was bought in. I mean, everyone back in San Diego calls him Samurai Cop all the time. You know, it, you know he's, you've, you've got a nickname with your old friend, you go into a new job. It's not necessarily going to come up all the time, right? Yeah, no, that's that's fair. That's fair. But it's, yeah, it, it, it's just so bad. But it is so much fun. It is. It enters into the unintentional comedy side of good bad movies because <laughs> it is. Oh uh, yeah, without a it's, doubt, it's hilarious. It's it's kind of ends up just being a parody of itself, and yeah, everyone has to watch Samurai Cop. Um, there's also a great song on it, which we'll include somewhere by oh, the guys. The guys fantastic. at Riff Tracks, which sums up the entire film. But yeah, so Samurai Cop. That's that's my first film ticked off the strong. list. Very strong. So my second good bad movie is it's probably it's the one we spoke about earlier about lists of these kind of movies and this is pretty much always at the top. It's 2003's The Room. It's kind of got legendary status, I think, in the the good bad movie pantheon. It is again another film written, directed, and starring the same person, <laughs> which is the supremely intriguing Tommy Wiseau. I think that is the perfect way to describe it. <laughs> <laughs> who is he where does his money come from where does he come from yeah, he what is, is going on yeah, he is a person <laughs> it's like apparently he he told people that he made money importing leather jackets or something he was a hundred percent involved in some kind of organized gang allegedly <laughs> and i'm basing that on nothing if legal people ever listen to this podcast <laughs> yeah he's he's an enigma so my first experience of watching the room was at the prince charles cinema at one of their screenings it was also a date which was quite hilarious <laughs> i think nice. i told you this at the time yeah um yeah. and your girlfriend told me or told you told me via you how terrible a decision it was actually it went quite well but anyway so that's, the the, the problem, yeah, it, it, it so the Prince Charles Cinema does these regular the room showings and it's not the place to watch it for the first time. Well, I actually really enjoyed it. Yeah, oh cause... no, it, it's an incredible experience, but it's not the place to I, I'd rather watch it before to fully appreciate how shit it is and then enjoy what <laughs> basically becomes a pantomime. Yeah, you're not wrong, is is I mean there's people launching spoons everywhere. There's um, people getting out of their seats to wave at Tommy Wiseau when he just does that really weird wave off the screen to no one. But it's just, and also, I know we've mentioned Prince Charles Cinema there and we've mentioned them a few times on social media and stuff, but shout out to the best cinema in London and, in my opinion, the world. Go watch movies there if you're local because they're great and we need more independent cinemas. But yeah, I 
it's one of those ones and again you talk about like you'll see clips of like samurai cop and things like that there's so many clips from the room that you'll have seen there's the you're tearing me apart lisa there's the i did not hit her i did not oh hi mark just, just, just excellent. My, my favorite ones are still. Oh, we got a new client at the bank today. It's going to end up with a lot of money. <laughs> anyway, how's your sex life? <laughs> I mean, that's 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 normal conversation, right? Oh, it, it's or the uh, uh, one of them found out about him, beat her up so bad she ended up at a hospital on a Guerrero Street, and the response yeah. is just cool story, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> It is, yeah. it, is, it is one of the most quotable films I've ever seen. Oh, it's it's just, yeah, it's <laughs> fantastic. And talking of like ridiculous scenes, I mean, you've got the whole, the lovemaking scene where he's he's basically humping Lisa's belly button for the entirety of it. But then apparently the actress who played Lisa was so uncomfortable with filming the first lovemaking scene that when it came to the second one, she refused to do it. So Tommy Wiseau just recut the first one into something that happened like two years later it's also worth explicitly stating how biologically inaccurate that scene is oh yeah i mean he's 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 definitely thrusting into something but it's clearly some kind of like abdomen cavity or something oh without a doubt it's belly button at least yeah um and you've also got the weird bit with the neighbor kid beforehand who's trying to get in on it denny um who's who's also one of the oldest Guys in the cast playing the youngest character yeah. in the movie. You've got Scotchka, obviously, which is Lisa making a cocktail for Johnny. Who Johnny, who doesn't drink, she decides that he's he would enjoy a mix of scotch and vodka because he wouldn't. But then obviously you have the the very the intriguing storylines that are never mentioned again. Oh, what like the random cancer diagnosis from Lisa's mum. Yeah, yeah. So, so Lisa's mum randomly gets cancer and never talked about again. The kid, what was the kid's name again? Denny. Denny um, owes money to drug dealers. Oh yeah, who get <laughs> who um, who Johnny and Mark cart off to prison and then are back within about <laughs> yeah. three minutes. Yeah. <laughs> oh god, it's so bad. It's the yeah, Sisters you... and Kane of bad movies. Oh, without a doubt. You've got the uh, there's there's so much football in it. Um, including football in tuxedos. It's so so much football, given that Tommy Wiseau clearly doesn't understand how football works. <laughs> no, not at all. And, uh, this is this is American football, obviously, which I think is uh, yeah worth clarifying. Um, and also, actually, what probably my favourite scene from the movie is in the florist, where he goes in to buy some red roses, and the florist goes from not knowing who he was because his glasses were down to. <laughs> Then probably the like some of the quickest bits of dialogue between two people where he asks the price of the flowers, pays, says hi to a doggy, and then leaves within the space oh, of three seconds. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, Oh, you're my favourite customer, who obviously I didn't recognise because your glasses were down. Yeah, I mean, it's insane. It's, like you say, it's it's insanely quotable. Apparently, now I say it's insane, it could in theory have been even more insane. So apparently, according to uh, Greg Sestero, um, who's randomly in The Haunting of Bly Manor. Um, <laughs> I, I had to double check it was him when he turned up. Apparently, Tommy Wiseau intended for the film to contain a subplot. Have you heard about this? Uh, no. So apparently, <laughs> the subplot was going to be that Johnny was revealed to be a vampire. <laughs> um. And the way that they were going to, like, 
break that Johnny was a vampire was going to be Johnny's Mercedes Benz would lift off from the roof of the house and fly across San Francisco. Because that, that's what that's what vampires do. Revealing Johnny's vampiric nature, apparently. But the only reason that that subplot was dropped because um, Tommy Wiseau realised that it was going to be too expensive and there was no practical way to film a flying car. Yeah. It, it's my... I, I think one of my favourite things with this film is, like, it's the sheer earnestness that it was written with. Oh, without a doubt. So it's like he clearly thought he was writing, like, uh, again, just kind of like a modern day Citizen Kane. <laughs> and it's one of the worst films ever made. Yeah, it ends with him humping Lisa's dress, which is just really fucking odd. Like, I don't know. But also, like, the the movie is a phenomenon, right? Like, it has is definitely so bad it's good that it has launched Tommy Wiseau as a celebrity of sorts like he does these you know, we talked about the prince charles screenings he now maintains it was a comedy from the outset right? yeah, yeah obviously because yeah but yeah it's you know he goes to these screenings obviously there was a movie written about it which was the disaster artist which was really very good and tommy wiseau rocks up in the post credits there as well yeah, I just think it, it is the, the king of bad movies. I'd recommend watching it. And as I say, if you can get down to a screening somewhere like the British Charles to enjoy it with in its full kind of lunacy, then yeah, absolutely go for it. It was, I, um, I pulled up my, because um, I reviewed this like ages ago when I had the whole movie review thing. Yeah. <laughs> the opening 25 minutes of the room feature three of the most awkward, painful, and at certain points, biologically inaccurate sex scenes I've ever seen. I once watched a Hungarian film where a man literally fucks the corpse of a recently slaughtered pig. This was done with more romance and love than the room managed to muster in any of the romantic scenes, whether these scenes involved awkward fornication or not. (laughs) Ah. Nice. I also realised I didn't mention any of the plot of the room, but that's probably because... There is no no plot plot. of the room. There is no plot of the room. (laughs) My next choice, then is uh, the 1987 masterpiece, Hard Ticket to Hawaii. And Hard Ticket to Hawaii, I'm fairly sure we could just incorporate stuff from the film because it's on YouTube in its complete entirety and nobody has taken it down. Hard Ticket to Hawaii is just incredible. It's It's, it's definitely my favourite film that's uh, got cancer snakes in it. Yeah, no, no, definitely, definitely. But it's the the theme tune is incredible. It was made by an Emmy winning director. So it was made by a guy called Andy Sedaris. And Andy Sedaris pioneered what is called the honey shot, which is in sport where they zoom in to attractive people in the crowd or to cheerleaders. He made that up. So you can understand what kind of film this is going to be. Yeah, it's so, also really problematic for me when I'm at sporting events now because I'm always on the fucking big screen. Because you're implying you're in a... I, I get it. Yeah. I yeah. get it. So, it's, it's gone. No, 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 please continue with your joke that I'm going to cut out. <laughs> <laughs> I rewatched this on Friday, or Friday night. Friday evening, we were at the pub, so these notes are nearly illegible. But what I have noted is 1 minute 30, boobs. so there is a lot of like this is basically softcore porn without sex 
because like 90% of the nudity and there's a lot of it is completely in an unsexual context it's yeah, it's, it's just not out of the blue isn't it yeah so there's a scene where they they find these diamonds and then one of the actresses literally says ah oh, i do my best thinking in the jacuzzi and then you just cut to them in the jacuzzi talking about the diamonds or there's there's another scene where someone just randomly gets changed and there's no reason for it at all but the basic plot which again doesn't make any sense is this woman is in witness protection in hawaii but they're in molokai in hawaii which is apparently the bad hawaii that used to be like <laughs> it used to be like a leper colony <laughs> and it's it's not where people go so she's in witness protection, but she's also being trained up to be in the agency. Oh, the the thing that we don't know what any of them do or work for, right? Yeah, but the agency seems to be comprised of four people, and they send coded messages in sandwiches sent from sushi restaurants. <laughs> I'm not I'm not even going to elaborate on that anymore because I don't feel like it deserves it. So these two women are also tour guides and fly tourists to remote beaches and but they're also, also couriers, right? Yeah, and they also transport snakes. And they <laughs> they accidentally transport this snake, which has been contaminated by eating cancer rats. Yeah. And is now... Toxic. Toxic. <laughs> and don't get me wrong, everyone loves a snake, but you can clearly see the puppeteer's elbow in the vast majority of the scenes. <laughs> Is it makes no sense, but then that's also not the main plot of the film. The main plot of the film is that this drug dealer, or not even drug, like this mob boss guy, uses a tiny remote control helicopter to fly diamonds to the Hawaii mainland, and then they accidentally stumble across these diamonds, which are what they talk about in the jacuzzi. Because why not? I just noticed one of my other notes for this is just what. <laughs> <laughs> No, no idea what's happening there, but it just doesn't make sense. I, one of the things I really enjoyed in it was the um, like some of the really convoluted ways that they decided to do things. Like, there's a bit I can't even remember why the dude on is on the beach, but there's like a bodyguard kind of guy who's hanging out on the beach. Shades. He's called Shades. Shades. Sorry to use his real name, his Christian name, um, who enjoys playing frisbee right oh no 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 no! he he enjoys throwing (laughs) so he never says it frisbee it's like oh hey you're a thrower oh sorry you're right yeah yeah, absolutely that's that's not how you phrase that do you think they thought there was going to be some kind of copyright infringement if they used the word term frisbee (laughs) i'm a thrower and then he like throws it under his leg and shit yes yeah you're right but because he's a thrower they decide that (laughs) Even though when they get in close quarters with him and have weapons on them that they could just shoot the guy, mm-hmm. the, the best way to take him out would be to, mid-throwing session, swap out the original thrower for a Which thrower, is pink. Which is pink. Swap out a, the pink frisbee for, for a, a black, black one. one. That is covered in razor blades around the outside, and then throw that in, which he then catches, and it manages to slice all of his fingers off and get embedded in his neck. It's so bad. <laughs> I mean, again, like I know I'm kind of jumping all over the place here, but I will bring it up a lot. The theme tune is incredible. Yeah. Like, just hands down. They also keep talking about James Bond the entire time, because clearly this 
witness protection agent loves James Bond, but she also talks about how she likes them all, and nobody likes them all. That's not a thing. That, arguably, is the most unbelievable thing in the film, including the weird rocket launcher that gets less powerful over time. Because <laughs> the first time they use the rocket launcher, as you do, is to blow up an assassin that has a sex doll on a skateboard. That flat out incinerates them and they explode. The next time they use it, it pushes somebody out of a window. Yeah, but then and it then, gets more powerful again because it takes a helicopter out, right? The time after that, it just decapitates a snake. Yeah, that that was that was the last <laughs> time they used it, right? I'm sure yeah. they didn't they fire it at a helicopter. I thought they fired it at a helicopter. I thought they just shot. I, I'm not sure. Maybe. But it even, definitely, even, yeah, it is definitely scenario dependent on how yeah. explosive the the rocket launcher is. And apparently, he uses the rocket launcher because he's not a good shot. apparently a rocket launcher is the most accurate weapon known to man but also (laughs) if you're not a good shot how do you get into the super secret super secret agency as one of the only four people that are in it from from some of the dialogue i assume by being horribly racist seems to be a theme yeah it's um oh it's and then they use um someone has nunchucks in it and they just throw they just throw them at someone (laughs) Isn't that how you use nunchucks? No, I don't. I, I think you're supposed to <laughs> actually use them, but all they do is throw them at this person. It's he was also a thrower. Nothing. Yeah, nothing makes sense. It's every other scene, someone randomly gets their tits out. I think a lot of the actors were involved were ex Playboy or current Playboy models. The story doesn't make sense anyway. The snake doesn't make sense anyway. Um, and also, no one seems to care about the snake. No, the snake is is definitely an afterthought. Apart from the one guy who sees it from about forty foot away in the car park, poking its head out from behind a car, and he's like absolutely terrified, but could quite easily get away. Yeah, they also flat out shoot this guy in the face, and all he gets is like a graze. Yeah, <laughs> it's, but it is, it's so funny. It is so funny. It is. It is hilarious. And it was one of another one of the bad movie nights that we watched it during lockdown. And yeah, there's all the messages uh, as we were watching it. And I, I distinctly remember towards the end, they're in the room and there's the toilet in the 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 shot goes to and someone I can't remember who messaged and was like, "The snake's gonna come out of the toilet, isn't it?" And I, it hadn't even crossed my mind that that would be a thing. But then within seconds, they push the flusher and the snake doesn't only come out of the toilet, which doesn't make sense anyway, because if you're flushing it, something's not going to come out unless you've fucked up your plumbing. But the snake fucking explodes out of the toilet and then the aforementioned decapitation (laughs) by rocket launcher happens. Not just explodes out of the toilet, but explodes out of the toilet at least three times bigger than it has been during the entire length of the film. (laughs) He obviously found some more cancer rats on the island. It's yeah. It, it's like they were trying to make three separate films and porn together, and then couldn't finish any of them and just cut them together. There's a scene where they they randomly have um like a film producer character, and he has a line of dialogue which sums up perfectly how bad the film is to the point where I need to. Oh, is this is this the same film where there's the interview the interviewing the pro footballer at the beginning yeah am i thinking of a different one yeah so what the fuck i like that has nothing to do with what happens in this movie it's the scene where the movie producer and an actress are there 
And she's literally like, you tried to rape me last night. He's like, yep, that was last night. This is today. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, there's, there's so many threads to this that just don't come together. But that's what I mean. Like, it is at least four separate films that have been thrown together. But yeah. he's done... Um, so... He's done a series of films like this, which come in a box set called Girls, Guns, and G-Strings. <laughs> and it's, I think it's like 12, a 12 film set. It's just the Andy Sedaris collection. And I could not recommend that to you. <laughs> but No, just go watch it on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, but Hard Ticket to Hawaii is... It, I, I had so much fun watching it. it it's like kind of uh, a lot of kind of like the 80s action films where they don't make sense anyway. It's just stupidly over the top. But then it also has the added humor of it just being shit. Yeah, because there's, you know, talking of all the really random shit that's in it, like there's a bit with sumo wrestlers as well, isn't there? Yes. And I can't even remember why. No one can. <laughs> Fucking hell. What a yeah. movie. Yeah, like I said, my notes, which I wrote while in a pretty brilliant state, just like plot, diamonds, cancer <laughs> snake. And apparently a romantic line was, um, so she hooks up with this guy who, I can't remember his name, but he had a fairly prominent jawline. And he just says, one man's dream is another man's lunch. <laughs> Hard ticket to Hawaii. Okay, so my third choice, quite similar to Particular Hulk to Hawaii, because it's, in theory, it uh, takes place in a certain location that's talked about in the title of the film. This is just going to be 15 minutes of you talking about American geography, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> so it is 1987's Miami Connection, which doesn't take place in Miami at all. Again, it stars, is written by and produced by the same person, which in this case is uh, YK Kim. So YK Kim seems to be, he's got some kind of like cult status in Florida. There's even before the movie started on the version that we watched, I can't remember, it was kind of like a mini YK Kim documentary, right? Where they were just talking about all the wonderful things that he's done yeah, in yeah. like Taekwondo, but for like Florida. And I think he's from Sarasota. He probably doesn't know where the fuck he's from in Florida, given the geography of this movie. But it, And also, so this movie cost a million dollars to shoot in 1987. It nearly bankrupted YK Kim. And if you were bankrupted because you made Miami Connection is one of the saddest stories going. So I'll read you the synopsis, which is there's a cocaine deal in Miami. This is the only time Miami is mentioned in this film. Um, is interrupted by a group of motorcycle-riding ninjas led by Yoshito, who steal the drugs and ride back to Orlando to party. I'll just let you kind of... I'll let that sink in. Um, yeah, as I say, it's called Miami Connection, but it is mostly set in Orlando. So kind of the heroes, the protagonists, are a <laughs> taekwondo-loving band called dragon sound who are all orphans all of them are orphans yeah <laughs> they've got great hits like friends forever friends um forever. i mean look and I'll, I'll, I'll bring this back up later but um i'm picking miami connection you have purchased miami connection merchandise yes i have bought miami <laughs> connection merchandise our <laughs> household so we all have and 
in a picture which will be shared on our Instagram page, we all have Dragon Sound vests because yeah. we're cool and Dragon <laughs> and, Sound are cool. They teach and important your friends lessons, forever, right? Yeah, they teach important lessons like loyalty and honesty and friendship. <laughs> so yeah, they're they're in this band. They all do taekwondo. Weirdly, YK Kim is part of the band and part of the group, but he's clearly in his mid to late forties, whilst everyone else is an undergraduate at the University of Central Florida. Ian, I hear you ask, whereabouts in Florida is the University of Central Florida located? Hey, Graham, where, where is the University of Central Florida located? I can tell you where it's not located, Miami. Um, <laughs> it's located in Orlando. Yeah, YK Kim is really too old to be hanging out with these guys, unless he's one of those, like, he might be a mature student that's just kind of got in with the kids, perhaps. don't know. And yeah, as I say, they all know Taekwondo. Um, they somehow get roped into serving justice to the motorcycle riding ninjas, and I still don't really understand how, because it you have the bit in the beginning with the drug deal and the stuff that goes on there, and then the motorcycle riding ninjas don't really turn up until right at the end where they're we're kind of going through the subplot of where one of the band is searching for his long lost father oh my god and there's a great bit in that so he's telling the rest of the band about his long lost father and in the shot and i'm guessing they just couldn't afford to do multiple takes but he's telling this really emotional story to one of the band members and there's one of the actors in the corner is just trying really hard not to laugh at it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so obvious. It's fantastic. But when they're going to find his dad, which they all raise money to uh, buy plane tickets, they run into Yoshito and his ninjas. And there's like this big fight in the forest. Jim is the, the guy that's looking for his dad, kind of gets what you would assume is kind of like fatally injured. Um, but then all of his taekwondo bandmates kill all the ninjas and, and rescue him so he can meet with his dad. Interestingly, probably more samurai in Miami Connection than Samurai Cop. Yeah, yeah, I guess. But also, probably more Miami in Samurai Cop. So <laughs> At least an equal amount in that there's none. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 weird, man. There's there's bits in it where like the bad guys are all training in a gym and they're all wearing jeans. <laughs> But also, like, I w- you wouldn't go to the gym in jeans anyway. Let alone to do... Are they all doing, like, taekwondo or something? Yeah. Like, hey, and I've, also- got, I've got these new taekwondo moves I want to show up. Because the band, just to make sure, one of them plays taekwondo. Yeah. They have, like, a guitarist, bassist, 80s woman, and then just a guy doing taekwondo, because that's what bands want. I mean, I, a friend of ours band has a tap dancer. That makes nice. sense because it makes noise. Like it even, actually does something. But just someone doing Taekwondo. That's like worse Bez. At least Bez had fucking maracas. Yeah, there is that. That's um, a t-shirt. At least Bez had fucking maracas, yeah. I'd wear it. And also you had the mirror guy in, in Purple Rain, but he kind of got a little bit involved as well, rather than just showing the mirror. Jerome. <laughs> don't, don't, don't knock Jerome. Jerome, yeah, because he'll throw you in a du- in a dustbin. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh god, that's that is that is going to be on a future good bad movie episode. Yeah, and you've also got the guy from from Sleaford Mods who kind of just presses the button and stands back. But at least he wrote all of the like digital music. Yeah, at least he did it. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, you're right. One of them plays taekwondo. Yeah. And anyway, back to the jeans. Like it's weird anyway, but even weirder in the heat of Florida. 
right? Like of anywhere that you're going to be training in jeans, it's not going to be in Orlando. There's also so with some of the fight scenes, there's some really weird like reoccurring nose grabbing with toes. <laughs> I'd forgotten about those. And now that you said it, I remember it very clearly. <laughs> Which, if it happened once, would be weird enough. But it happens a few times, and it's very strange. The coke deal at the start of the movie as well, which kind of, in theory, kind of kicks the whole thing off, doesn't really get mentioned again that I can remember. Well, I mean, like uh, talking about, like, I still don't know what the Miami connection was. Well, and so one one of the <laughs> one of the messages during the chat again we watched this on a bad movie night was maybe it's a quiz and we need to guess the Miami connection. <laughs> <laughs> one of my other favorite messages from the chat was that guy looks like Elton John with an Uzi. I would yeah, Uzi man. So yeah, and then there's other strange kind of shoot off subplots. So they start planning a world tour, and you know what you know if if you've if you've conquered. Florida, you've you've done all of the clubs in Orlando. You know you're not going to bother going to Miami because that's you know no one who goes to Miami apparently. You know where 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 would you take your taekwondo uh, rock band first, Ian? I'd probably get a hard ticket to Hawaii. Yeah, mate that I, that would make more sense than going to Israel and Ireland <laughs> on your world tour <laughs> because obviously they are. I mean, you know, maybe they've done their research and the, the demand is, it, is they, there. Yeah. Let's all go to our places of origin. Yeah. Ah. Oh, yeah. I love. I love Miami Connection. It's so, so awful. Yeah, and then the bit at the end. So Jim survives his his stab wound in the forest, and he's finally reunited with his dad in hospital. But his dad is Jim is clearly older than his dad. The actor he's just that like plays powdered Jim. his hair, right? Absolutely. <laughs> it's yeah. It's. It ticks all of the bad movie boxes. It is, it's lunacy. It gets a minus point for me because they don't know which end of I-95 they're on. But yeah, it's great. I think I could talk about bad movies for forever. I just, I get so much joy out of them. My final choice then is a film which I, I shit you not, I have seen four times. So (laughs) that is 2003's Tiptoes. I thought you were going to list every year that you've watched it. <laughs> 2003. I could, I, I will. So I actually, so the, the, the first, the first time we watched this film was the day of the Game of Thrones final series premiere. So it was the first episode right. that they aired like simultaneously, I think. So it was on at like two in the morning. So yep. me and my housemate decided, oh, what we'll do is we'll watch a film where um, one of the cast has been in. So Peter Dinklage is in Tiptoes, so we thought we'll watch Tiptoes. So the plot of Tiptoes is so Stephen and Carol, played by Matthew McConaughey and Kate Beckinsale, are a couple, and um, they're going to get married. She's an artist. He coaches firemen in a forest. Yeah, but with without water, like the firemen have to attack forest fires with dirt and. Axis. Yeah, so his his job is like fireman coach. So yeah, so they're they're in a relationship, but he's keeping a secret from her. And she discovers this secret when Matthew McConaughey's twin brother gets beaten up and turns up at their house. And it turns out Matthew McConaughey's twin brother is a dwarf. 
It turns out Matthew McConaughey's parents are dwarfs, but the genes skipped him. So it means that technically, you know, their child could be a dwarf. And oh, Kate Beckinsale's pregnant. So, you know, he's worried that the baby they're going to have is a dwarf. It's basically an entire film of him pressuring his girlfriend or fiance into having an abortion. So um, just you mentioned you watched this because of the Game of Thrones link. So I'm assuming that obviously the person that plays his twin must be Peter Dinklage, right? Because he's obviously yeah, um, a yeah, small no, that's, person in real life. That's, that's a fair assumption. Peter Dinklage plays a French communist. Uh, <laughs> the person who plays Matt McConaughey's brother is Gary Oldman standing oh. on his knees. Yeah. So in, in what the trailer described as a role of a lifetime, Gary so Oldman shuffling. Gary Oldman plays a dwarf. He spends the whole time on his knees, which was pr- pr- apparently difficult for him. But you know, the film was difficult for all of us. So there are literal scenes in the film where Gary Oldman is sitting at a table of actual dwarf actors, talking about how difficult it is being a dwarf. And every single one of the people at that table would have been better suited to the role than he was. And again, you've got Peter Dinklage, who's like arguably like one of the better actors currently working. Yeah. And they get him to put on a bad French accent and shack up with Patricia Arquette. And that's not something someone should have to do. Shack up with <laughs> Patricia Arquette. <laughs> it's there's so there's so much wrong. And like even so Gary Oldman is playing Matthew McConaughey's twin brother. Gary Oldman is 11 years older than Matthew McConaughey. He also has a hunchback, which I think is to detract from the fact he's clearly standing on his knees. But you can't see that all the time because for some reason, Rolf, the character Gary Oldman plays, stands behind a lot of desks and just bars and fences and just anything. I know, but the best the best one is the sofa. The sofa is the best one. Yeah, so there's also, if they can't hide the legs... There are fake legs. So at multiple times in the film, he is just sitting in a sofa with yeah. obvious fake legs sticking <laughs> up of it like he's a fucking Muppet. <laughs> it's, it, it, it's, it's a, there is an interesting discussion to be had because apparently... So the original cut of this movie was two and a half hours long. And supposedly... Is it Gary Oldman that came out and said it's fantastic if you watch no. the original cut? No, so Peter Dinklage. Oh, Dinklage, Dinklage, okay. Peter Dinklage has said the original cut of the film was gorgeous, but when the director handed it in, the studio basically locked him out of the editing room and re-edited the movie without him knowing, which shows because none of the film makes sense. It says, um, it's, oh, it, it's just amazing. Like, without even looking at the film, Kate Beckinsale did this the same year that she did Underworld. So it's not like she was... Up and you know it's not like an up and coming kind of conversation, and then no. like uh, or a, like last ditch trying to get a bit of cash by the end of her career. Yeah, um, but she gig. also she also did it for cheap because uh, she agreed to do it as long as she was allowed to wear her lucky hat. <laughs> she wears that hat a lot, to be fair. Yeah, in the film. yeah, but yeah, she 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 only did the film because she could wear this lucky hat. Uh, Gary Oldman had done like Leon and stuff like that. So again, it's not like he was a unknown actor. And apparently if you ever talk to him about, do you think this is appropriate? He would just burst into tears, <laughs> which, which is fair because it's not appropriate. 
because you're no, Gary Oldman. I'd love to know what happened. Like, what was the what was the conversation with his age? Like, surely Gary Oldman's got people that would be like, maybe not Gary. Like, we know that <laughs> you, you've we know you've got range. We know, you, but let's not. Yeah, there's ways to do this. It's but oh, it, it's just it's so funny. It, it's so unin like so the when, when I saw the trailer for the first time. I thought it was a Saturday Night Live sketch. <laughs> I can see that. Even the trailer is bad. So within 10 seconds of the trailer, there's a blowjob joke. <laughs> and then again, they refer to it as Gary Oldman as the role of a lifetime, which to be fair, he has only played a dwarf once. Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> so talking of the trailer, I saw the trailer for this way before I ended up seeing the movie. I think you sent it to me a while back. And I had watched the trailer many times and once on a night out, I was watching it. I was in like a, a relatively small kind of like beer shop kind of pub. So it was probably like, it's one of those places that's kind of like the size of a living room or whatever. And ended up showing the entirety of the pub, the trailer for Tiptoes. <laughs> and everyone, like it was just, everyone was like, well, what the fuck have we just watched? But it like, at the same time, everyone's like, we need to see the full thing because it is just... Like you said, it, it seems like parody. It seems like no one has genuinely gone and made this. And maybe it is. Maybe 10 years' time, we'll find out that Tiptoes was kind of this big social experiment. Like, what's the um, Joaquin Phoenix thing where he kind of went off the grid and then they oh, made um, the, I was never really here or something yeah, like so that? I, yeah. I, I'm, I think it's I'm not here. So Yeah. Yeah, where he, he quit acting to become a rapper. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that. Maybe 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 the whole thing is that Gary Oldman quit acting to become a dwarf. I don't know. But um but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I can't I think it's got to the point now where people have told me to stop talking about this film because it's it's so batshit insane. Like again, even without seeing the film, people can acknowledge how fucked up that is like out of everybody who should be playing is it just doesn't make any sense at all and it's the no. the plot doesn't make sense that even if gary oldman wasn't playing a dwarf in it the plot is still fucked up because the, the the plot can be boiled down to matthew mcconaughey pressuring kate beckinsale to have an abortion that's yeah. the plot that's the plot of the film so it's it's a weird film anyway. And then like um Gary Oldman's character's kind of partner cheats on him in a party with a guy who looks like Prince in a room with glass walls. Yeah, what the fuck was that about? It's like so yeah, e e even without the weird casting, the plot still doesn't make sense and is still a, it's at the very least weirdly offensive. <laughs> <laughs> and wasn't this wasn't this kind of in the middle of like McConaughey doing all of his like rom coms as well? Like it just seems like it seems so out of kilter with everything else that he was he was doing at the time. Like I said, nobody in this film, or at least kind of out of the the recognizable leads, was at a point in their career where they needed to make this film. But then yeah. from what Peter Dinklage was saying, like Arguably, there's a version of this film we haven't seen that is good. How? Sorry. Fair enough, but how? 
fuck knows. <laughs> but like you can you can tell someone edited it because the film just ends. Like the yeah. so the the again, this is something we watched when we were kind of on lockdown in like a WhatsApp group all together. And there was a point of the group where it's just like, wait, what, that's it? And everyone's just like, no. Like so the first time we watched it, I had to I rewound it to double check that we hadn't accidentally like sat on the remote or anything. But once we'd finished the film and we still had two hours to go until Game of Thrones started, we thought, now we've watched this, instead of watching something someone from Game of Thrones has been in, let's just do another bad movie. So we watched The Room. Nice. Good double bill there. And in between, between, didn't one of you message Kate Beckinsale on Instagram? Uh, No, so that was a different, that was the second time I watched it, I believe. So our, uh, our housemate, who will go uh unnamed message kate back and sound just saying massive fan also tiptoes what was that about <laughs> but it doesn't make any sense at all not only is it hilariously weird to watch but it's so much fun to talk about because oh, gary oldman plays a dwarf it's 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 fantastic uh, and again and like i mean i i could i could talk for literal hours about this but i won't because you know that'll be boring could you could you talk for Obviously, literal hours, but what about um, hours in the 24 universe? Yeah, no, even more. I, I could talk 41-minute hours. <laughs> it's so bad on every level a film could be bad. The, the casting was bad. The script is bad. The editing wasn't done by the person who directed the film. Uh, the directing is also bad because at some points, clearly they can't get the fact that Gary Oldman's on his knees, so the camera will randomly pan upwards. Yeah. And then that's yeah, and then it's also offensive. It's offensive on a number of levels. <laughs> and that's without factoring in that Gary Oldman is standing on his knees playing a dwarf around actual dwarf actors. Doesn't make any sense. That's my final choice. Final top threes then. I'll go first. So for me, out of the three I said, I think out of sheer enjoyment. God, this is the hardest one we've done. I was going to say the same thing. Um, so I, I, I think coming in at three is probably Samurai Cop. Right. I love Samurai Cop. I think it's incredible, but my number two is Tiptoes, and that's just far too much fun to talk about. Um, and then my number one is Hard Ticket to Hawaii because I watched it again the other day, and it is just so much fun. Nice. <laughs> it's fun because it's bad. Like, it's... Yeah. It's a very specific type of fun, but it is an awful, awful action film, but I would happily just keep... I mean, everything on this list I would keep watching again, but Hard Ticket to Hawaii also is the theme tune, which is phenomenal. Yep. To Hawaii, it's not paradise all the time. Sorry, you're going. No, I was just going to let you keep on rolling. Um, I got the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> So my mine in order, I think I would go in third Miami Connection. It's great. It's nuts, but it I guess the geography probably gives it a markdown. <laughs> in in second place, Circus Island, because it's just pure lunacy. And let's not forget it had a budget of it had half the budget of Dallas Buyers Club. And number one is is the room because I think the room you can't mention bad movies without mentioning the room i think that's fair it's yeah it's it's kind of i think it's got legend status in in uh, any 
bad movie list. Yeah, and I I think for kind of the final top three, I think out of sheer respect to the good bad movie institution, I think the room has to go number one. Yeah, I I I don't think you could really argue against that. And then, fuck knows. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, this, I I thought. I thought I knew how this was going to line up, and you putting Circus Island second has completely thrown me now, so I, <laughs> I don't know. So I think any of these films could justify the top three. Absolutely agree. I personally would watch all of them again apart from Circus Island, so I wouldn't include Circus Island. I would have put Miami Connection as your number two, and I would, I would include that in the top three. Interesting. So for me, this is ridiculous because we're talking about bad movies, but this is the most difficult time I've had trying to figure out (laughs) what of these six films should be at the top. And I think one of the things for me that really makes this difficult is that during lockdown, I think this like lockdown has been a bleak period for a lot of people, right? And particularly when it was when it was bad, it was bad. One of the things that really kept me going was our bad movie nights on a Thursday. <laughs> so I think part of this is just the the sentiment attached to them and how much joy they bought in a particularly um, bleak period of, of 2020. But yeah, I don't know. I just love bad movies for some reason I get so much out of. And I think probably because you could, there's so much to talk about afterwards. And as you can tell by the fact that we do this podcast, that's something that I really enjoy doing. So... <laughs> fuck knows i mean i if i could i'd just say fuck it we'll just have a top six yeah that's I mean, a if boring like... podcast <laughs> i'm breaking the rules um so i i think miami connection has to be top three because i own merchandise from miami Connection. <laughs> <laughs> like and again i i can't stress how much i'm not lying there i've i've seen miami connection a couple of times as well and i own dragon sound merchandise so i feel like that has to be there um for me tiptoes is more fun to arguably tiptoes is more fun to talk about how fucked up it is than actually watch it (laughs) i think with tiptoes i think you can get away with like the trailer and show people like yeah (laughs) this exists this is nuts yeah and uh, (laughs) yeah while like hard ticket to hawaii and samurai cop i so hard ticket to hawaii and samurai cop i would watch by myself just because yeah, they're they're so, they're so funny they're so unintentionally funny that i would watch it because it's basically a comedy tiptoes i think you have to watch with other people yeah because you have to talk about how fucked up it is so yeah, that's, for me that's i'm fair. i'm the the room has to go number one yeah and then what would you say out of hard ticket to hawaii and samurai cop i don't know they're both great shouts it's like i think hard ticket to hawaii's just got a little bit more lunacy to it. I mean, we didn't even talk about the ending bit where, like, the they like throw a ragdoll of the, um, <laughs> the bad guy, guy. Mister Chang, of, who's a British yeah. guy, <laughs> yeah, off the top of um his like building. Um, so yeah, I guess I guess if I was forced to to go, I would. I guess yeah, we'd go the room, party to a Miami connection. Yeah, but I, I, I think mentions for all of the others as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's this has been the hardest choice out of all of them, and again, I will, 
I would strongly recommend watching all of them. Some of them, I would probably recommend watching it with friends while you're drinking, but I would recommend watching them all. So the podcast nobody asked for is top three good, bad movies then. Uh, so number three, uh, Miami Connection. Number two, Hard Ticket to Hawaii. And then number one, The Room. And this is 100% a topic which will get a sequel at some point in the not-too-distant future. Without a doubt. Um, unlike any of these films. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you... Oh, well, uh, there is a Samurai Cop 2. Oh, uh, shit, there is. But it, um, <laughs> it, it, it does that thing where it leans into... Um, Being bad. Yeah, and it's, that's not the point of a bad movie. It's, no, no. Yeah. Yeah, so that's our top three. Let us know what you think about it, whether you agree or disagree, kind of what good, bad movies you've seen. Um, you can hit us up on Instagram at the podcast nobody asked for. And on Twitter at nobody asked for pod number four. Cool. So, yeah, that's the end of the podcast. Go and watch some shit films. Yeah, do it and enjoy it um, and let us know because if there's some stuff out there that we've not seen, we definitely want to see shit movies. for this. Speaking through the ages, it takes the breath away. Falling waters laughing, your thoughts escape. This tropic island dreamland and the sights that you can see. Good and evil struggle, their destiny. It's a hard ticket to Hawaii. It's not paradise of time. It's a hard ticket to Hawaii. Lush tree mountains tower like heaven palaces. The breeze that sings so softly inside of them. Once the song is shattered, the bullets fly instead. As danger takes control, condition red. It's a hard ticket to Hawaii. It's not paradise all the time. It's a hard ticket to Hawaii. Although it's like a dream, it's not what it seems. It's a hard ticket to Hawaii. It's not paradise all the time It's a hard ticket to Hawaii